This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello and welcome to another episode of OPI Talk with me, Andy Braithwaite. And in today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Toby Venus, who's the commercial director for the UK and Ireland at Selector. Good morning or good afternoon, depending on where where we are. Uh, Toby, good to see you and thank you for being on the the OPI Talk podcast. Thank you, Andy. Uh, Great to be here and uh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, Looking forward to our conversation this morning and to uh, share the insights into the the fascinating world of uh, tech-enabled retail. Okay, good stuff. Uh, Perhaps just a a quick intro of, of yourself and your career background to date. Yeah, so so Andy, I've been um, in the traditional, well, the original vending industry, if you will, going back to uh, fourteen years now. Um, started out um, with a small private business called Express Vending um, in the southeast of the UK. Um, a great business which grew very very quickly, uh, mostly driven at driving um, vending solutions, and then later in its uh, in its evolution, working into tech-enabled retail in micro markets and fresh food delivery. Mm. Um, so I was there for a good few years, um, uh, in the end, uh, running the business as a, as a sales director. Um, and then we were acquired by Selector, uh, the largest uh, vendor distributor across Europe, um, who uh, really have majored now uh, and rebranded themselves to become a leader in both vending market, but really as a, a, a food technology business uh, driving um, food and beverage refreshment provisions into companies right across 16 markets across Europe, um, and it's been a, it's been an incredible journey, a great journey. Uh, learned a huge amount, uh, but also had the great pleasure of watching what's happened in our in our industry and in our space evolve, you know, considerably over that sort of 14 period time, um, which has been you know both exciting. And really insightful. Okay, Let, let's rewind a little bit. Not fourteen years, but just a couple of years to kind of when 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 COVID started. You know, offices were closed. People were, were in lockdown. What what did that mean for for the break room? Uh, you know, the food the food distribution business. Yeah, um, well, it meant a great deal actually. And the um, the I, I think really if you go back a couple of years when the pandemic hit, um, firstly it was a um, it was a surprise to many companies and every company had to adapt accordingly. No one really was exempt from that. Um, in our particular space, because we deal with food and beverage in the workplace um, and that drive, that's driven mostly at you know, engaging with people and, and motivating people and the morale of staff mm. and the well-being of staff, um, it meant that our entire operation, as all other caterers and vending distributors out there, was basically put on hold. Um, Put on hold on the one hand, but on the other hand, where we have uh, either frontline provisions, public estates or semi-public estates that we look after, we had to adapt. Mm. Um, and on that basis, uh, everything changed. Uh, so we we had to, to rework the way that we managed our operation, uh, reconsider our supply chain and distribution across the network, um, but then work really closely with all of our clients across all sectors, regardless of, 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 of back or of industry or sector, to, to basically either wind down services because they were shutting their offices or dialing up services because they were adapting to the new way of working. So 
I think uh, us, along with every other company, learned a huge amount in those in those first six months. Um, but of course, what then happened over the, the preceding sort of 18 months to this point um, was very much uh, a, a game almost of second guessing how the market would react and how the market would uh, fare post-COVID. Uh, and then the other question was, well, when is COVID actually going to pass? Mm. So for the first year, we were all innovating, um, figuring out, second guessing, well, the return to work is going to be uh, steady. Uh, they're going to come back. And then after Christmas, it'll all be well and we'll go back to normal. But of course, that didn't come to pass. So the, the, the second guessing around the logistics continued. Um, and during this whole time, Selector was taking the opportunity to actually reassess its own future, figure out exactly where it was going to play in the space it's going to play in. Um, and as a direct result of that, we, we, we invested heavily. We, we innovated uh, um, heavily. Uh, we're hugely passionate as a company about providing great food and beverage into the workplace. Um, and um, based upon that, we, we, we spun our operation from the old traditional route of, you know, traditional vending, um, impulse and cool drinks and confectionery. Um, and of course, a very strong uh, on the go markets, a coffee premiumization, a coffee market. But we spanned that uh, more towards the food technology side of things, which meant that we can now compete um, more in the food uh, part of the market uh, up against um, the catering market mm. uh, that has um, um, a big uh, part of the portfolio across um, all the 16 markets in, across Europe. Um, but by doing so, it meant that we could expand our, our operation, uh, give our clients really what they wanted um, because listening to our clients changing needs and they were almost changing monthly at that stage was super important. Uh, so by diversifying our range, bringing in new new innovation, we 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 could essentially adapt to the to okay. the changing market. All right, we'll talk about some of those innovations in, in a sec. Just quick, your your client base. I think it's from from large enterprises and public sector organisations all the way down to to SMBs. Is that right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We cover yeah. we cover all markets um, and um, every type of client, and, and every type of client has broadly. They have mixed different different needs, but they all have one thing in common, which is generally to look after their people or their consumers. Mm. Um, and for that, they need great products and great services. Yeah. Okay. Now, I guess your business is very heavily tied to occupancy in, in offices. So what's the general situation now in the UK? Uh, a, lot, a lot of companies or most of your clients adopting a hybrid working model? Yeah, that's that's right. Um because we look after all the different sectors, some sectors are really, you know, they're booming and, and they're growing, mm. they're developing, and we've 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 adapted to that market and changed our model to suit. Um, but where you have parts of the market, particularly office-based, um, where actually the return to work um, has been uh, slow um, and then rather sporadic and then unpredictable, we now find ourselves actually with, I think, a bit more consistency. The, the general work pattern today particularly in the workplace environment, is generally Tuesday through Thursday. Uh, Mondays and Fridays traditionally a bit quieter. Mm. Um, and uh, we, we, we found that out by working with our clients, of course, and listening to their requirements and needs. But of course, you've got to adjust then. You've got to adjust your model. Um, and you've got to ensure that if you've got through fresh fruit distribution and, and products, they now want them on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. And Mondays and Fridays are a bit quieter. Yeah. Um, so yes, that change has been really evident 
across the workplace sector. Um, and it's, it's all been about adapting to accommodate that change. Okay. What does that mean in terms of volumes of a product that you sell? I, I guess they, let's, let's take coffee. That's obviously a, a big, a big product in the workplace. How, how, how's coffee consumption been? Is, is it, is that, is it tied to that office occupancy? So you can see people aren't in the office for, you know, 20 or 30 or 40% of the time. So, so office coffee consumption has gone down in line with that. Or is it not quite so simple as that? Um, in the in the workplace environments, yeah, there's been a downturn in um, volume of consumption. Most most certainly, that's directly tied to the volume of people that are in the buildings. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that as a business, that's a downturn in revenue because you diversify what you provide, um, and therefore you provide other solutions which befit the new the new surroundings and the new environment we work in. Um, that said, um, away from the workplace environment, if you transit towards the the on-the-go market, um, public estate, uh, the the volume has increased. Uh, So it it really is, uh, we found that it's about adapting how you work your business model to ensure that the business has good continuity and you're you're adapting um, your style to to survive and grow. And and, uh, I think off the back of everything we've done, we've done a fabulous job of that. And as a result, we're now we're now growing and uh, seeing double-digit growth. Okay, interesting. So, so where where where's that growth coming from? From from new new routes to market. There's there's a part of that new routes to market, but also it's just super important that you you, you had to change your model with regards mm-hmm. to your innovation. And you know, for many years, um, vending has been on a bit of a downward sort of trajectory by way of revenue because the consumer of today. Um, wants to have different products available to them. They want to have them 24 seven. Um, they want products that perhaps you can't vent anymore. So you need to find new ways of providing a vehicle to, to access those products. Um, and because of that change in, in consumer behavior and, um, and requirements, um, the range that we have, not just technically by way of the way we provide the product, but also the range of SKUs that we have in our business um, and product availability and menu rotation, that, that plays a really big part now uh, in the success factor of, um, of, of our business going forwards. Okay. Now, I know something you're quite big in is, is, is micro markets. Uh, that's something that we've covered, I guess, more, more in the, the US market than, than, in, than in Europe. So is, is this a relatively new concept in Europe? Fairly new. Last last seven to eight years um yeah. it started to 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 arrive here um yeah. sorry i just jump i just ju- jump in for some of our listeners who are not familiar with, with micro markets yeah. just, just tell us what what they are exactly great okay so so a micro market um is essentially a um a, a tech enabled retail store uh, by which you can access food and beverage fresh food uh, fruits uh, sandwiches salads uh, cool drinks, hot drinks, snacks, beverages, uh, different meal occasions from breakfast items to mm. heat to eat range in the evening. And you can access that 24-7. And you do that by way of um, having ambient bays and fridges. And all of those products are fed through uh, telemetry, uh, which is done through a kiosk or a payment system, uh, which essentially means that people have the ability to buy multiple items with really good ease, uh, and because of that type of apparatus, 
as a, as a distributor, we can give our clients and our consumers big range, 24 seven, um, plus a value add. So things like uh, meal deals, um, promotions on certain lines. Uh, and for the first time, which is where the exciting part comes, is we can actually now provide consumers with the products they truly want. So this is about the, you know, the backdrop of the ever-changing expectations from consumers, uh, whether we've got products for vegans, uh, whether there's products for uh, people who have allergy, um, allergen or, or even dietary requirements, uh, whether it's halal products, uh, whether it's breakfast uh, meal occasions, um, whatever those products are that people now want, you can actually do it um, through this this type of setup, okay. uh, which means that people can be well looked after. All right, good. I mean, how, how do you work with them with the client to to organise that supply and demand uh, f- factor there and make sure that the, the the people who are in the office on a particular day have the products that they, that they want? It sounds it sounds quite complicated logistically to 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 do all that. Yeah, no, it's, it certainly is. It certainly is complicated, <laughs> and it is logistically very very hard because of fresh food distribution. And you've got to have network and you've got to have density and you've got to have controls mm. and planograms. But really that starts with, again, you go back to the journey of what the client requires. And when you canvas opinion um, of what staff expect, would like to have in offices, you start to address the very thing that that company is trying to achieve, which quite often is something around the engagement of their people uh, the winning the war on talent, yeah. um, the wellness, uh, the wellness um, aspects of looking after their teams, um, uh, and staff engagement. And, and if you can get that bit right by providing great products in the workplace, you actually win a lot of those uh, those battles. So the, the methodology behind it is really down to how you um, canvas opinion from the, the, the staff on site. And then you take their view, you, you do a, whether it's a survey or you, you do it, uh, you know, you physically go there and talk to people. Um, and then the idea is that you populate the micro market um, or the, the smart fridges, which is another great bit of technology we, we provide um, with products that people actually want to buy. And then you, you can see through very good visibility through telemetry, the inventory system, the, the transactional history, the peaks, troughs, trends, um, the the average transactional value, mm. you can see what does move, what doesn't move, and a, and a great company um, that that can you know really harness that detail can actually then help their client look after their consumers better. Yeah. So the MI data infrastructure behind all of this is is you know is gold dust. It's something that if you go back to the vending era, there was there was none of the, there was no such data, not to the level that we have now, and particularly not on the SKUs that we have now. So when you combine those factors, you've actually got a really winning formula for not just looking after your client and driving retention and growing the revenue and building a partnership, but actually addressing the needs of the consumer, which helps uh, the company achieve its overall objectives, which are quite often around retention and sustainability and welfare. Okay, a couple of things that you mentioned there. Retention, how, how, how important now is offering that that you know, that the food and beverage or, you know, that healthy food and beverage option, I guess, that, that many people want. How, how, how important is that in in, in winning and, and retaining talent? Especially now we we talk about, you know, the great resignation and people, you know, very, very quickly changing jobs. Uh, so what what role does the, does the break room play in that? Uh, yeah, I think a very significant role. Um, you know, when you survey people and you survey staff today and you ask what are the most important things that you would have 
in a business um, or your employment of choice and always food and beverage features um, in, the, in the top five, uh, often in the top three. Um, it's because, you know, work is really an extension of the home. You know, today you have a couple of days in the office, a couple of days working home or a couple of days on the road, whatever your pattern is. Um, so for those people, when they go to the office, they want to be looked after. Um, companies want to entice people back into the office because you're paying for you're paying for real estate. So you want to you want to use it and you want to make sure it's accommodating and welcoming. Um, but as a result of that, of course, you want to make sure people are engaged. And if you're providing great products, which are um, which are exciting and there's there's range and there's choice and um, you're giving people what they want. It, I think it plays a really important part and not just about food, by the way, that the coffee offering um, today is more important than ever, particularly in the workplace, because traditionally our market, our industry for years and years has been soluble coffee, vending, you know, vending machines, um, and they have evolved dramatically. And, and you know, if you take the, the, the workplace sector, it has evolved from floor standing vending to more traditional tabletop machines, still very much sort of sort of automatic or semi-automatic machines where the, the cup will drop um, and you get the product. But actually the move now has gone towards bean-to-cup coffee. Mm. And within the bean-to-cup range, people are now looking to compete with what's on the high street. So the offering today of bringing premiumization of coffee from the high street uh, into the office is super important because, again, that's a way of keeping people on site. It's a way of driving productivity. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's, a, it's a way of motivating people sure. and, and getting people engaged. Yeah, you don't want people going down to their local Starbucks to to, to grab a coffee. You want Starbucks to come to the office. So I think you've got a you've got a deal, haven't you, with, with Starbucks? We have, yeah. Selectors, you know, we've 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 uh, done a lot of work uh, in the last few years to really drive our business forwards and 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 to to reset it actually against the backdrop of um, prior to COVID that the amount of companies that really did build up to become one selector. It was a big business with lots of acquisitions. Yeah. Um, and the last couple of years, we've taken the opportunity to completely change uh, the company's model. Um, very new branding, very vibrant, very passionate, very energetic. Um, it's got a fantastic focus now on looking after the client and the consumers alike. And as a consequence of that, we uh, have the great privilege of working with some really great brands uh, and Starbucks being one of them, uh, a brand which has chosen to work with Selector um, to provide uh, the on the, the, the workplace um, setup, yeah. which means that the consumers, companies can get the highest street quality product in, into their office. Yeah. How, how important um, are, course, are yeah, how important are, are you know, is branded coffee for for the consumer? You obviously with, with Starbucks or with with Nespresso or, or these kind of brands. It's, 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 yeah, it's very important. Yeah. It is important. I mean, it depends on part of the demographic too of what you're looking yeah. to, who you're looking to recruit into the business. Um, and also the message that you're trying to give out and, 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 and the value that you see in your staff. And every company has the right to choose how they do that. And the wonderful thing about what we do is that, you know, if it's Starbucks, that's great. That fits that, that profile of, of client and that's what we can provide. Um, but it's also important to ensure you've got um, diversity in the product ranges that you have. So mm. we, we, again, are super fortunate to have our own roastery uh, where we roast coffee over in uh, Dortrecht in Holland. Okay. Um, yeah. Fantastic coffee brand. And again, that is a very much um, a very well-known brand of coffee mm. that clients have in their office. And it could even be private label. And actually, where people go today, people are looking for that, that slight edge. They're looking for something a little different. And if you could do something that is 
again, private label coffee, which has a very good story, back to source, single origin, mm. traceable um, and sustainable. These are all things that actually clients today are looking for. It's not just about a supplier that can provide a food and beverage offering. It's about where do those products come from? How sustainable are they? Um, what are the accreditations that sit behind it? So the, the evolution of what we've been through, yeah. driven partly by the, back, the backdrop of the pandemic, but now accelerated because of the way that we want to take the company, mm. we've had to adjust uh, accordingly. And on that basis, we've set ourselves up very, very well mm. to, to look after our clients, not just with portfolio, but also with very sustainable products yeah. um, and very good brands. Okay. Just still on, on the theme of sustainability, obviously you've got a lot of disposable products in, in the break room, you know, coffee cups and, and plates and stuff like that. I mean, how much of a focus is there on to make sure that these products are you know, recycled and, and recyclable? Yeah, big, big, big focus, um, Andy. Um, we've got a, a pledge selector um, around how we're working towards uh, our sustainability uh, by 2030. Uh, we've already moved our entire roastery in Holland to become um, uh, carbon neutral uh, with uh, solar panels and the way that we source the coffee. And now when it comes to cups and uh, plastics and um, uh, knives, forks, plates, all the other things that we provide as consumable items, we're working with our suppliers to help reduce that, but also choosing suppliers which have, um, which are compost uh, friendly mm-hmm. uh, and using suppliers that can really help us in our sustainable, sustainable efforts. But there is no doubt that that is a major uh, concern today of our clients, as it is with us, which is why we've appended one of our 12 principles that run this business devoted towards sustainability for that, yeah. for that very reason. Yeah. There's been a, I'd say, fresh impetus in office cleanliness and hand hygiene and all those things related to COVID. How, I mean, how do you ensure that your your areas are, are are clean? Do you work with partners for that, or do you do you do that yourself? And how does that work? Yeah, we've yeah again another area we've had to evolve. I mean, we we've had to onboard a whole new level of um, inspection um, on our, on the way that we manage clean hygiene, the the equipment that we provide. Um, so there is, of course, some protocol behind behind that now. Uh, we've also onboarded some technology which allows for a contactless um, connection to the machine to allow the products can be can, can vend without the need to touch machines. Again, removing the need for mm. uh, for contact. Um, so the technology is very important, as is the protocol for managing uh, our operation. But we're in a food and beverage business. It's a huge, very human business. It's a passionate business. It's all about food and beverage and, and, and people in the workplace. So uh, we we do we take every precaution possible to ensure that we are adhering to all the right standards. And and actually, again, it comes back to the client working with the client to understand their own protocols to ensure that we adhere to those two. And you know, we look after thousands of clients across the network, um, and everyone's got a slight nuance on how they do things. So again, it's a small bit of complexity, but in the spirit of partnership, it's important to do it right. Okay, good. How how widespread are micro markets in the UK and Ireland, and and what is the potential for them to to increase? Yeah, it's uh, it's growing fast. Um, there's uh, I think now there's probably around five hundred micro markets across the network, um, mm-hmm. of which we have the majority, probably about eighty percent, eighty five percent, and on that basis, it's starting to grab momentum. Okay. Now, when you look at the backdrop of of, of, of all the other innovation that's out there um, and all the vending estate that's out there, which is thousands, every company 
uh, really the land that looks after some fresh food in the business will be looking to customize what they do. Will they go down the route of micro markets, if it's catered services or smart fridges, um, I do see that there's going to be a big move towards tech-enabled retail in the near future. Mm, okay. Just to finish off, I know you've got to, to, to shoot off in a second. What's the, yeah, what, what's the thing that's keeping you awake at night and what's your, your, kind of, your, your main strategic focus for the next 12 months or so? Okay, well, um, the biggest thing keeping me awake at night at the moment is um, the way that we are changing our model to ensure that we can look after our clients every single day. Um, and every single client at the moment, as they emerge from COVID, has a different operating platform, which we're looking to align with. So I see that as, as a challenge, um, but quite frankly, that's also the opportunity. So again, the thing that's really driving me here and the rest of the, the leadership team um, and uh, the rest of the business is the fact that we have great products um, mm. that we provide people in every type of business. Uh, and on that basis, there's no real challenge that's too big for us. It's more about making sure we give the clients what they need and they look after their, mm. their consumers and their associates um, and that helps their, those companies thrive too. Okay. So it's a really combined partnership effort. Okay, good. Do you go to market as a purely direct model or do you work with other local partners, for example, for SMB customers, which might be a bit more difficult for you to, to reach uh, in, individually? How, how does that work? No, we're a direct, we, we, we own everything. So Selector is, we look yeah. after everything, full distribution. Uh, across the network, across all the markets, across Europe. Um, okay. And uh, as a result of that, we we can con- can control, manage well, um, look after our clients very well, and then also look after their interests too across uh, other countries, um, of which so many of our clients do have affiliated offices across the across the network. So um, no, direct, um, direct and, and working in partnership with them. Okay. All right, excellent. Thank you, okay. thank you, Toby, for your time. That's in, interesting. I think certainly micro markets looks like an interesting you know, place to to be playing in at the moment. Absolutely, yeah, it really is, and I think we'll get to see a lot of those uh, start to come out into the market in the years to come. Okay, thank you, Toby, very much. Cheers. My pleasure. Thanks so much. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.